All right, everyone. Come on in. The listening is fine. The Carolina Outdoors is now in session. I'm Bill Barty, and sitting alongside me, general manager from Jesse Brown's, Wes Lawson. Oh, Bill, where were you 149 years ago this week? Well, <laughs> you uh, 149 years ago. Baby, get out, get out your Rolodex. See who you were talking to then. Is that when? Is that when we were a part of founding Duckhead? Uh, Ooh, company you're very close in nashville tennessee you're very close yeah so uh big big news big birthday on march 1st 149 years ago yellowstone national park was signed into law by president ulysses s grant so that's a pretty big deal that was the first national park in the u.s and it is widely believed it was the first national park in the world wow so bringing that local to Jesse Browns, and and I'll I'll say this: I have only um, skirted the boundaries of Yellowstone Park with one uh, a quick trip through there as I was uh, commuting from one state to another across Wyoming. So I didn't get to stop and play, but through outfitting four trips to Yellowstone at Jesse Browns, especially these days. So. Um, in the times that we have been in, and of course, you've heard us here on the Carolina Outdoors talk over and over again about travel. And we've talked about, well, the State Department designation alluding to international travel, where we uh, at Jesse Browns have sent people around the world as a local outfitter. We're proud of that over the past 51 years. But as everyone knows, international travel has really been hit hard and is really out, although we have had some people going to fishing in Belize and the Bahamas, but you have to be tested and you have to go through all of this. So it brings it back to the renewal, I guess you would say, of recreational domestic travel. We've had a lot of people who are going on ski trips, obviously, whether it be um, um, local the Carolinas, West Virginia, or even out west. The other thing that we've had going on domestically outside of the Carolinas are people preparing for trips out to Yellowstone. So it sounds like we could uh, have somewhat of a celebration in this anniversary as Yellowstone National Park is celebrating this week. Well, you know, we, we all know that Yellowstone is big, but I don't think people understand quite how big and quite how important it is, not just being the first national park, but everything that's there. It is a megafauna site, and what that means is the wildlife that's there is large and in charge. You have everything from white-tailed deer, mule deer, coyotes, wolves, bears, bison, of course, moose and elk, if I didn't already mention that, recreational vehicles, tourists, all this kind of stuff. It's all <laughs> yeah. there. Um and I would say if you can go, absolutely go and do it in a way that's comfortable for you. But if you can get off of those main roads, out of those traffic jams where people are trying to take selfies with bisons and put bisons in cars and stuff, don't do that, y'all. Uh, but get away from the road and experience that place. You know, more than half of the world's geysers are there. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that because um, half the world's geysers are there, which is an astounding thing. But as you continue the sentences behind that, Will you talk to us a little bit of of why those geysers are there? Namely, there's a high amount of volcanic activity mm. that are taking place in that entire 
what is it, 35,000 square miles of property? It's crazy, yeah. So it's uh, No, that's not 35,000 square you're, miles. You're close, 3,500 oh 3, for. Yeah, thank you. you know, rounding <laughs> yeah. error. So yeah, Yellowstone <laughs> right. National Park spans about 3,468 <laughs> square miles. It's bigger than Rhode Island, it's bigger than Delaware. It's it's huge, right? Um, Della. Where? There you go. So there's your your Wayne's World reference. So uh, Yellowstone has a couple of things going for it that make it so unique. And one of those is um, not just Yellowstone Lake, which is the the largest high elevation lake in North America, but you have this Yellowstone caldera. So let's go back to to your earth science classes. Whenever you took those, this is essentially the largest super volcano on the continent. It's like the Carolossus of volcanoes. It's huge. It's a dormant volcano, so it hasn't erupted much in the last maybe two million years. Thank goodness. Because if it does, it's going to be bad. So it, This would it, be an entirely different segment if that thing had erupted. It'd be very quiet. <laughs> yeah. It'd be very quiet. Um, so in this huge feature, you have this caldera is where you get all of this uh, geological activity, hydrothermal systems and things. People know about Old Faithful, right? That's in the upper Mm -hmm. geyser basin. You have Castle Geyser, the Lion Geyser, the Beehive Geyser, all of this kind of in that same area. Um, But what's so important about those is you have, you know, 10,000 of these things going on. Some of them are so close together that you think it's the same one. But what all that, what created all of that really is um, this giant magma chamber underneath that caldera. It's the largest in the world. It's 37 miles long, 18 miles wide, and up to seven miles deep. That's like land of the lost deep. Um, And so that that caldera has all this crazy energy and magma. Uh, The last time it really erupted was 640,000 years ago. If it happens again, it's going to be radio silence for everybody. Uh, That eruption was 1,000 times larger than the eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980. And, you know, there's there's video of St. Helens going off. This is a thousand times worse. So um, what was left behind, though, is what we see now. It's the foundation of what we see now. So even when it's um, sub-zero temperatures, those geysers, you're seeing all these crazy, you know, the steam, these mineral-rich deposits, these different colors. It's very photographic and photogenic. Um and if you're in the Charlotte area, you can fly direct to Bozeman and then rent a car, and you can be at the park in a matter of maybe two beautiful hours. Depends on how fast you drive. Um, so all that geological activity is a certain level of geekery uh, in, in high school or middle school learning, but it also means it's a very memorable trip. So if your kids have been driving you nuts about the newest Xbox game, take it away from the Xbox, and let's go look at some actual explosions. It's incredible to see. Hey, with all of that being said, and if you're just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors, the voice over there, Wes Lawson, I'm Bill Barty. We're talking outside of our state boundaries. We have gone all the way to Wyoming, but Yellowstone, primarily in Wyoming, but some is in Montana and some is in... Idaho. Idaho. Got there you it. Go. Yeah, about 1% in Idaho. Um, the, the vast majority is in that northwest corner of Wyoming, uh, although you hear about it more from people going to Montana because they're going to Big Sky or they're going to be in Bozeman, and they, they drop over because there's a lot more development on that side of the park. Well, and the park is open year-round, but there is some heavy seasonality to it for the park. I mean, you can go through there in your cars, uh, again, year-round, but a lot of things don't start really happening until May. So this may be you preparing for your 
uh, late spring or maybe your summer trip out to Yellowstone National Park. And listen, you know, late spring in Yellowstone is a lot different than late spring here in the Carolinas. So if you're heading out there, let's have a conversation at Jesse Brown's Outdoors about the gear you need because you could have a 60 to 70 degree temperature swing each day out there. So it could be snowing and then you'll be in a t-shirt. And that's true for several months in the spring and early summer out there. Um, I don't want you to show up in your uh, Daytona Beach tank top and flip-flops because you might lose some digits. It's going to be a little chilly. Um, but then it can also heat right up and it can get nice and toasty. Well, some of the things, so for the hikers out there who want to head west and go for a little bit of a hike, uh, Wes, you were talking about the hydrothermal uh, situation, the cauldron, if you will, and some of those uh, hydrothermal uh, features are able to be seen not just at Old Faithful, but you're able to get off the beaten path in many cases It's funny, though, as you research going out there, they will make a point to talk about the season. For instance, uh, uh, Fairy Falls Trail is one, but Fairy Falls Trail does not open until late May because it is a bear management area closure. So they uh, keep the trail closed until summertime, and then that's where it, uh, when it opens up. Uh, But the, the... Along that area, there are two trailheads with two different approaches to reach the falls. It also will say, so it's about a five and a half mile uh, to 6.7 mile hike, whichever uh, approach that you choose. These are there there and back trails, uh, which means they begin and end at the very same place. No no loops, uh, if you will, but also uh, warnings. To remember to stay on the trail, and that is uh, goes to the uh, the hot stuff that you could step off into. Yeah, you could you could get cooked real quick. Um, the other thing though is you know they've they've Yellowstone has been at the forefront of of wildlife management almost from the beginning. You know when it was first formed, there was one person responsible for the place with no staff and no budget, and poaching was just a rampant problem. Mm-hmm. But then it also had the first national park ranger in 1880. His name was Harry Yount. There's a mountain out there named for him uh, to try and stop all that poaching. But one of the things that people loved was they'd come in on the train from the big cities, the big east coast and west coast cities of Chicago, and they would want to feed the wildlife. They'd never seen bears like this before. And so up until the 1930s, you could feed black bears there. And there's a great picture of one of the, the park superintendents, you know, working on paperwork on a picnic table with three or four bears around him. He looks really calm in the picture. I think he was probably pretty nervous because you could feed the wildlife up until then. Nowadays, folks, don't do that. Don't take selfies with the animals. Don't try and pet them. It's not good for them, and it's not good for you either. So stay on the trail for a couple of reasons when it is when it is designated as such, especially for those geothermal activities, but also for the wildlife, the bears, sometimes the wolves, the coyotes. They don't want to be around you, but sometimes you smell tasty. And this is just one of our most visited national parks in the United States system. Of course, Yosemite, Yellowstone, and one that's uh, close, near, and dear to our hearts here, the Great Smokies National Park. Well, actually, yeah. So two of the most visited national parks in the entire system are here. You have the Smokies, but then the other, the most visited, 
It's the Blue Ridge Parkway. The Blue Ridge Parkway, all 367 miles of it. Which was part of that Project 66 decision to try and, and revitalize the national park system in celebration of their 50 years of being in the care of the United States government, getting people outside and away from the stresses and the strains of whatever is stressing and straining. Maybe it's COVID-19 or the COVID-20 or <laughs> what did you call it the other day, Bill, the COVID-25? You gained 25 pounds? I don't think that's true. Well, maybe it's just 22 pounds. I've definitely gone up a pant size since this. There's two different uh, ways that this has gone for people. They have really gotten motivated to exercise. You know, fit people take on the germ better. They say outdoors people. Uh, is where it is safe or to be. Uh, but then there's a grouping of people like me who just gain 22 pounds instead of losing 22 pounds. So, you know, one of the things, Bill, not about weight, but about Yellowstone that we do a lot of, and it's people going fly fishing in and around that part. You know, the Green River, the Yellowstone, Arkansas comes out of there. There's a bunch of rivers that come out of there, and then smaller tributaries. We see a lot of great fly fishing there uh, for people who are new to the sport or seasoned anglers and those who make a pilgrimage every year to go back there because they are. It's some of the best fisheries, really in the in North America. I mean, it's just it's just special. Well, we just had a phone call at Jesse Brown's of someone who was trying to map out, plan a trip unguided. They were going to go out there um, again. This is something to pay attention to per the season. Why? Is because dealing with things like runoff, snow melt is going on. So for many, the, uh, the depending on what the snow melt and the runoff is doing, uh, this means a latter July trip, uh, mid to late July, is a great time to go out there for fishing uh, because that's when the water levels have settled down a little bit. The uh, fish are in there. They're eating but you're able to cast to them and get your fly uh, appropriate to the appropriate spot for hookups. Well, you know, that runoff, it's great when it when it slows down and the, the water conditions are better, but it also all the nutrients that comes with that runoff is so good for the fish and the bugs that are going to hatch. You know, the, the caddis hatch is a big deal out there, and then they have this hopper hatch, that grasshopper, the western grasshopper hatch is like biblical. <laughs> yeah. Because no one no one will tell you how big they are individually, and you can hear them jump and hear them fly, but it's waves of them. It really is incredible. And that happens near the stream. You see trout rising as if it's some sort of, you know, Zane Gray kind of kind of piece. It really is. It's 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 nothing short of magical. Well, and and magical is what is it, it is. We're talking about Yellowstone National Park, a little bit of western domestic travel. For the Carolina outdoor lover, uh, and for many of us, this is uh, aspirational as we have no plans for travel. But for many of us, hopefully, um, it's a time to kick us in gear, get those plane tickets, because this summer is a great time for uh, scratching the itch of pent-up demand that many of us have to get outside. And again, you do not have to be... Um, a veteran angler or an experienced hiker, uh, Yellowstone National Park has something for everyone. It is kid-friendly. It is adult-friendly. It is everybody-friendly as far as wildlife viewing, photography, hikes, fishing, uh, good food, and touring are all um, at the helm there. 
I'm Bill Barty sitting alongside Wes Lawson. We're the outdoor guys from Jesse Brown's, the place where we hang our hat through the week in the heart of Charlotte's shopping district, the South Park area of Charlotte in the Sharon Corner Shopping Center. We always invite you to join in our Jesse Brown's party, whether it be the Carolina Outdoors like this. Check us out online, jessebrowns.com as well as keep up with events and occurrences that are happening um, via our social media, Facebook, Instagram. We're very active like that. And with that being said, Wes, we need to switch gears a little bit, again staying with the theme of aspiration. But for the past 14 years, I think, the F3T has been going on, the Fly Fishing Film Tour. So whether you're... uh, a lover of independent film, maybe adventure, maybe humor, or maybe you just love fishing, and more specifically, fly fishing and travel. The Fly Fishing Film Tour never disappoints when that comes about. However, for years we did it uh, with love and enjoyment at the Visualite Theater, the historic theater here in Charlotte on Elizabeth Avenue. But because of obvious reasons uh, of late... This is a virtual fly fishing film tour again with tickets available at Jesse Brown's. Yeah, you know, these stories span the globe from the remote wilds of eastern Russia to the Guyana Rainforest, the flats of French Polynesia, and all the way to Utah's Flaming Gorge, not too far from where we were just talking about, Mm-mm. and the down-home waters of Wisconsin. Starts March 2021 for unforgettable storytelling, great camaraderie as always, they're going to have some great giveaways, swag, some trips, and more. The F3T aims to inspire, feed your fishing addiction, because we know that's what it is for some of y'all, and build awareness for conservation efforts around the world. Get tickets for the virtual event at flyfilmtour.com or come by Jesse Brown's to shop and save on your tickets for the virtual film tour. Hey, you know what I always have? I always have a little bit of useless trivia. So can I take the fly fishing film tour that's coming up March 10th, and we do have those tickets uh, for the virtual showing that's going to be taking place starting March 10th through April, the date you said, April 4th. But here's my useless trivia. Flaming Gorge, there in the northeastern corner of Utah, is also a famed area for one legendary uh, uh, theatrical occurrence, um, cinematic occurrence, uh, in the late 1960s film, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. So by lore, well, no, not just by legend. It's true that that was one of their areas that they hung out. And through uh, the, the famed cinematic occurrence was when they jumped off of the cliff into the river to make their escape. That was, by legend... Uh, the Flaming Gorge area uh, of the Green River. You know, other parts of that legend is uh, maybe they made it out of South America and went on to live lives back in Utah. One thing that's great about those boys is they traveled, and we like travelers. We do like travelers, and we encourage everyone to travel as much as they can in good times and pandemics as well, carefully, of course, safely, of course, with uh with distance and mask wearing and all the important things of being safe because we want to be safe in our adventures. Uh, But secondly, same actor, though, uh, by the name of Robert Redford, what opening scene was filmed on the B section of the Green River, the beginning of the Green section, uh, uh, the B section of the Green River, 
for anglers out there and hikers, it's the... Jeremiah Johnson. Ding! You got it. And and here I thought it was going to be A River Runs Through It, but no. No, that's all... That's all my, uh, Montana. <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson, if you have never seen that, is a great movie. If you have seen it, go watch it again. What a great film. What a great film. We're talking mainstream from uh, the late 60s and 70s when those Robert Redford uh, films were out. Now we're talking about the Fly Fishing Film Tour. We can hope that you can uh, step by, stop by Jesse Brown's, get your discounted tickets, uh, call us, or check in online, jessebrowns.com, for more information. He's Wes Lawson. I'm Bill Barty. You're listening to the Carolina Outdoors.